Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Paul and I'm here with Gar. That's me. And today we have an episode that is influenced by what's happening this week, which is Pride Week. Mm. So we decided to do an episode called Music of the Rainbow. Uh, We picked our favorite songs from the LGBTQ plus community uh, artists. It's a community of artists, yeah. Uh, and we are shining a little bit of a spotlight on them in this episode. Um, yeah, this is the first Pride Week, which uh, people can't like really properly celebrate in public. Yeah, I know there's a, there's a bunch of like Zoom things going on and DJ oh, nights yeah. and stuff. The, the, the stuff that's happening kind of in every community. Um, but yeah, they're not allowed out on the out in the streets. Uh, I wonder when they're allowed to have like pro, like marriages and stuff again. You know, parades. Yeah, because we've had protests. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Then again, like the parades, to be fair, are more like uh, a lot of them are kind of commercially sponsored and stuff now as well. So you're not going to find companies that are willing to put their neck on the line and get behind something that's that's going to break on any sort of quarantine or lockdown rules, are you? Yeah, that's it's mad. Like, I just think, I don't know. I think everything is just getting delayed. This is no different. I mean, I've seen a lot of my mates who are gay online. They're just posting up. We'll hit it harder when we can go back. Yeah. The yeah. last year's Pride. Uh, the day this comes out as well is the first day of phase three. So uh, from today, you'll be able to go to the pub and have a pint for, what, an hour and five minutes as long as you have oh, a yeah. bit of a meal. Um, there was an announcement, as we're recording, this is a couple of days before uh, Monday, and they, they put an announcement out today just saying that they were going to stagger phase three, apparently. They were going to do it in blocks of... You know, a week and a half, week and a half, but now they're just saying fucking Monday, whatever. Crack, open the fucking gates, let everybody at it, you know. Yeah, I want to, I do want to point because Liverpool just won the Premier League. Just you'll, throw that in there. Yeah, you'll, be able, get a, you'll be able to get a haircut as well. Yeah. A haircut and a point to celebrate uh, Liverpool winning the league. <laughs> you'll be a happy chappy today. Yeah, I am. I will be. Yeah, just a haircut and a point mm. and I mean, I guess people can have little mini pride meetups if if it's uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's like a max of six if they're from the same household or close friends or so. I, don't, I don't know what nobody knows what the fucking rules are, nice. and the rules are all going to be thrown out the door in a couple of days. Anyway, so. Yeah, well, I hope. I don't know. It's a massive, massive, massive important event every year. Mm. Then you have the people go, "Why can't there be straight Pride Day?" Saps. Oh God! Absolutely. Imagine saps. writing that. Imagine writing that. Do you know what though? I know they don't think that. They don't care. No, that's that's literally just an online contrarian bollocks thing to say. Yeah, it's like yeah. He, Liverpool won the league today, so everybody who like supports Man United or whoever. Now I'm not a football guy, so I know fuck all about this. But anybody who's like a Man United person or a Man City person or whatever, who, whoever your enemies are, they've like muted all you guys and are deleting you and giving out. Oh, they're losing to these pricks now. For them. <laughs> you know, it's the same fucking thing. It's like International <laughs> Women's Day. When's Men's Day? Like there is a Man's Day. There is a Man's Day. Yeah, you just didn't know it, or you didn't care. Of course, because fucking every day is man's day. I'm living my best life out here. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Literally, yeah. I eat Cocoa Pops at 3 o'clock in the morning. I just, eh. In the yeah. last two hours, I ate an entire Tesco tiger roll. And I'm going to die. An entire Tesco, oh. like it was the size of a large baby. And I ate that'll it all. Hit, that'll hit you in the stomach. I don't give a fuck. I've got no work to go. I don't give a shit. I'll actually exigent like a tiger would. I ate some of it. I ate some of it soup. <laughs> and it was so fresh and so airy and light inside that the soup disintegrated it. <laughs> yeah, like it like returned it to some sort of rue, like flour and water. 
And yeah. it wasn't it wasn't great now with the soup, I have to say. But just a big ignorant sandwich or eat with big lumps of bread and oh yeah. If the if the bread is too soft, it's not good with soup. Mm. It's unfortunate. It's it's, it's a, a double edged sword, it's amazing yeah. bread, but it's too soft for soup. Yeah. Anyway, uh, gay soup. Is that what we were talking about? Fucking gay, the gayest of all <laughs> soups. That's um yeah, we wanted to we wanted to shine a little spotlight on uh We've done stuff like this sort of before. We did women mm. of rap. Yep. We're not like we're not trying to be like mad woke around. It's not really us. But at the same time, if anyone has like a problem <laughs> with us doing this, just turn it off and fuck off. In fact, yeah. turn turn off all the podcast. Don't listen to us anymore. Yeah, please. <laughs> Don't watch it. We, yeah. want, to, we, we want to get this off. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. We, right. we, we want this to be over. <laughs> Narrow, narrow, we can narrow our fan base down to people who are not scumbags. That'd be great. That'd Although be all our fans, all our fans, are I know for a fact, no, no one listens to this podcast. I don't think is a is a bigot or a fucking two hundred. Nah, so, a couple of fucking idiots, sorry. Yeah. But you know, um, if you're super, if you're super, <laughs> super, if you're super, super overwoke, you're thinking, why are these two straight overwoke? That's good. Doing, doing I like episode. overwoke. Overwoke. I like overwoke. Yeah. Why are they doing? Why are they doing an episode on? A Pride Week is just some sort of way to make themselves more popular. Listen, you stop listening as well, actually, because you're not going to like it either. Yeah, I'm not into overwoke or bigots, really. Can yeah, not, like, yeah, exactly. I mean, I just Listen, have people with normal opinions. Like This was me and you going, should we do uh, an episode for Pride yeah, it's Week? Pride, like, yeah. And yeah. that was as simple as it was. That's yeah. Just, yeah, let's do that. I, I bet you we do a fucking <laughs> Halloween one as well, you cunts. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's, you're going to get a New Year's one. You're going to get a Christmas one. You're going to get a fucking... Yeah. The same as every other podcast and every other yeah. event. If you go into town on Pride Week, most pubs have Pride things on. If you go into town Halloween Week, most pubs and clubs have Halloween stuff on. This is what you do. You know what I mean? This is what yeah, you do. They were celebrating it. Yeah. Not giving out about it. I, I tell you, this is uh, this is Excuse one of the man. weird ones for me, right? That everything on this list, this is like instantly click, 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 click. I didn't have to go rooting. I no, didn't I didn't have to go well. digging. I no. knew exactly who I wanted um, from the start. Like I remember uh, when we ca- came up with the idea last week. Within like five minutes, I had my allocate my six allocation uh, yeah. allocated kind of tracks. Just bam, 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 bam. Fucking. Bam, I had to. Okay. I, to I, 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 it's always good when I have to narrow it down. Like usually, a lot. yeah. Usually you have to narrow it down, but this one I just knew. Bam! I fucking. Yeah. Now there's there's a lot more, but these are like the ones that are like I listen to on the reg. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not. Again, it's not a case of pain. Well, it's it's in, it's interesting <laughs> one. Like I, I wanted to do a, just a really super simple one of like, is there any artists? LGBTQ plus <laughs> artists that we listen to all the time. Yeah, and just talk about them for a bit. But then I was like, fuck, there was people I really wanted to talk about that aren't even around anymore yep. and that were important. And it got deeper and deeper and deeper. So I, I broke my own rule of just making a simple happy la 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 and yep. not getting too much into things. But it kind of struck me that like we should really talk about how tough it was for somebody. Like, there's a lot of these artists coming out as gay now. It's not, it's not, it's not as easy, mm. but it's not as hard as it was yeah. in... I don't know, even the 80s or 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, Every year that passes, uh, things get a little bit more kind of streamlined, a little bit more accepted. I hope you know? so, yeah. I hope so. But, uh, yeah, you'll see some, you'll probably hear some of the struggles or something like that yeah. in this, maybe. Um, but uh, without further ado, who is your first song from Music of the Rainbow? Uh, my first one is a band called Boy Sets Fire, who are uh, an American kind of post-hardcore band from Delaware that were formed in 1994. I've always loved... Uh, Boy Sets Fire. They had a weird sound, and there was an album called After the Eulogy that came out in the year two thousand. That when it came out, I was fucking obsessed with it. I was obsessed with it. It just had this weird. It was this lovely combination of kind of that post hardcore thing, where it's heavy, but it's not me head stupid. 
and it, yeah. but it, it it also had kind of chugga chugga bullshit, but also had kind of cool little proggy bits in it as well. Um, Is it Limp Bizkit? No, <laughs> no, far from Limp Bizkit. I, I don't know how the fuck you'd explain this. These guys would be maybe closer to someone like Snapcase that we've covered on the podcast before. Uh, they would have toured an awful lot with bands like Snapcase and Refused and shit like that. Uh, this song, I always, to, I always get to mix up with Boy Hits Car. Boy Hits Car, yeah, yeah. For some reason, who yeah. are, I don't think uh, anything related <laughs> to them at all. No, nothing. There was actually, there was a great band from Galway years ago who had the best fucking band name ever and they were called The Boy You Hit Is Dead. Oh, that's that's that dark, isn't it? I was after that ad. Do you remember the ad that uh, used to be on TV oh, about the boy? The boy. Is, it was oh, the, shit, uh, yeah. I think it was. The, Can I tell you about my? Life? Oh, that, uh, that, that, that that's <laughs> fucking Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, and they use that music, and it's a man who like I don't know, he hits like a hump in the road or something, and goes flying over a hedge and hits somebody, yeah, and then rolls yeah, over. Yeah. And geez. Yeah, and, and then the ad, uh, I think at the end of it, ends with like some copper saying that the boy you hit is dead. And then the ad is over. It's like, never, over drink and drive. So yeah. they, they named themselves after that. So I, I always, like once once a band has the name boy in it, I'm like, fucking, they all kind of get lumped in together. But Boy yeah. Says Boy were in a, still are a kind of a hardcore, post-hardcore band from Delaware, which is the worst place in America. I don't care what anybody says. I've been to <laughs> Delaware. It's fucking... I was, I was attacked by white supremacists in Delaware. I had people set on me by white supremacists in, Pip, in, oh, in Delaware. Uh, I, some of the craziest fucking experiences of my life playing gigs in, uh, in Delaware. And uh, it's a mad, mad, mad place. But uh, the vocalist for our Boy Sets for his name is Nathan Gray. Right. Uh, the band themselves are like kind of an anti-capitalist, like radically left-wing band. Super left-wing, super lefty. Um, very kind of political, um, but not me head stupid political. Uh, because uh, Nathan Gray was gay, uh, he was uh, kind of always worked that spectrum of things into the lyrics, and he always made sure that the band would play. Yeah, of course, it's going to come uh, out. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, um, he would. They'd end up kind of playing fundraisers, and he himself in his own in his private life does an awful lot of work. I am um, on that circuit, you know, raising awareness. But uh, he was born in 1972 in Delaware as well, but he was raised by like a super religious family and apparently you fucked him up. And he's, he's given interviews saying that like until the age of like 19, 20, he was like literally afraid of people that like smoke cigarettes and listen to rock music. Like that's how... That, that's, Isn't it- isn't it mad that this place like that in America? Yep. Like even in Ireland, we think like in in, in the nineties, I knew I even knew families like that. But now, I there's no one like I, I can't think of yep. people that are like that now. That are that mental, that that far but out. This, yeah, this place is still like that in America. Absolutely still like yep. that. Um, but yeah, until he was like nineteen twenty, he just said he see someone like smoking a cigarette or you know, drinking a beer or you know listening to rock music or talking about sex, you know anything like that. He was just like Jesus Christ. Like he actually thought that this person was the living incarnation of the devil. And he was deathly afraid of them. He Jesus. said, this, and, and then kind of when he when he he kind of wised up a little bit around the age of twenty, he said he spent the next kind of ten fifteen years just in a daze of fucking sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like basically just, nearly, just nearly an just, absolute awakening. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it like this? It's probably like that in a uh, equilibrium where he yeah. puts on the music for the first time and starts <laughs> exactly. crying. He's like, what is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he spent the next couple of years just fucking literally going absolutely fucking batshit mad. Um, he ended up becoming like a fucking Satanist um, after he knocked all of it on the head um, gave up drink and gave up smoke and gave up all this type of stuff. Right. Ended up becoming he a Satanist. Lot, he had a lot to catch up on. Right? Exactly. Well, that's what he said. He said he had like... like uh, the way he said is that most people start experimenting with like alcohol and drugs around kind of 14, 14. He said, but like all those, those years, those formative years for him were spent in like kind of hiding the fact that he was gay 
um, from his religious family, from his friends, from people in the bands, you know, in his early bands. Yeah. And uh, then eventually he kind of found the hardcore scene, found that like nobody gives a shit about what you are in the hardcore scene as long as you're kind of sound. The hardcore scene has always been, always been very inclusive like that, you know. They yeah. almost welcome outsiders because it makes them look better, you know what I mean? And, um, I know, yeah, like, and I know the rock community is supposed to be. It's not that like, yeah, it's no, not that no. It's not open arms. No. No. In fact, there's only two types of music in general that are w- less welcoming to gay people, and that's probably hip hop and country. Yes, not they. They are having none of it. Very, and after very, that, I have to say it's rock because pop is pop. Yeah, classical music Pop's formed on it. Formed yeah. on it. Yeah, like. they've definitely been more open now. Glam, okay, maybe. Hmm. No, but rock, I, I, like a lot of rockers I know, man, homophobic. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 which is mental. Cause, I mean, we're going to cover, mental. we're going to cover a couple of bands, um, that like they can't hide away, man. You know what I mean? Like it's part of their fucking system. Uh, mm. In the hardcore scene, like I said, Boy Sets Fire were always very, very well looked upon, kind of musically. Uh, the fact that he was gay was never a fucking, never an issue. Uh, yeah. it, was, it wasn't even brought up in interviews that often it was only rare apparently it was only mostly like European magazines and European websites and stuff that had ever even bring that up yeah. um, most of the kind of American hardcore and punk magazines had never bothered their arse talking about really? um, but yeah so he does an awful that lot could, that could be seen as a good thing oh yeah absolutely it wasn't absolutely. even like, like it's crazy like maybe they weren't showing away for it like, I'm not saying he said that but like mm. maybe it just actually didn't matter that's the utopia you get to that stage exactly. where it's like oh they're not there guys like you won't even say something like that. Yeah, exactly. Because it's you just really say matter. nothing at all. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> when you should not turn at all. Uh, yeah, listen, that was uh, that was Nathan Gray from Boy Sets Fire. I've been listening yeah. to them for years. I've been listening to them way before I even read an interview or an article stating the guy was gay. Uh, like, what's the matter? It's a shit hot band. If you like kind of hardcore and you like punk, if you like heavy music, this song yeah. is a fucking, it's a little dinger. It's a little kind of... Listen, it's a fucking hardcore, post-hardcore song. It's not going to set the world on fire. But if you need some, like, fucking chugga-chugga bullshit to lift weights to or, or run for the bus, <laughs> you know what I mean? The fucking boy sets fire, have you covered? Who is your first yeah. one? My first one is Them Are Us Two. One right. of my favourite band names. Again, I love that band name, Them Are yeah. Us Two. Uh, the song is called Eudaimonia. And these were a dark wave dream pop from California. Just two of them, just a duo of... Yeah. Uh, Ashlyn and Cash Askew, um, they kind of got together out of their love for dark 80s synth music. <gasps> I wonder why I picked them. Oh. Uh, and Sisters of Mercy and even Dead Can Dance kind of stuff as well. Now, Cash Askew identified as transgender and used feminine pronouns. Mm. Um, she was also gay. She's a girlfriend. Um, and Demeros 2's music is just, it's just deadly. It's mm. just fucking deadly. It really is. It's that kind of... I can't get enough of that dark wave dream pop kind of mm. stuff. I just can't get enough of it. Unless it's, some of it is like super dragged out. And I can't do it. I need to be like entertained by it as well. It can't just go, I don't know. Do you know that floaty stuff that every song is like a, a pastiche of, of yeah. just, and the guitars are all washy. I can do that, but it has to be structured. And that's what these guys do really well. Yeah, there's not, um, a lot of that kind of uh, dream poppy shoe guys stuff. If, if it's too wishy-washy, and yeah. two kind of water down and it's just kind of like eight minutes of fucking meandering yeah, yeah. I can't, it has to have a bit no. of form to it for me yeah um, so they're kind of the, the singer uh, Kennedy Ashling sounds a little bit like Liz Fraser from Cocktail Twins that's what she and, and a bit oh, like Kate Bush she's definitely massively influenced and she was in the band on her own before she met uh, 
Cash and said, uh, Stala in the band. Uh, Stala with me. And um, Cash tried out as the guitarist, no, as the keyboard player, then was like, couldn't play. I've been there. I've said, I can play keyboards and then done it and not really, switched the guitar then. It's like, yeah, no, that's that's your instrument for this. Um, they released their debut album in 2005, so that was like three years after this, hmm. on Days Records. Days Records are the same people who have Drab Majesty, who we mentioned a few times, and they're oh, they're, they're, they're great, they're really big now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, they're like like one of the heavy hitters now of mm. the dark synth pop. Just so many, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what music I'm making now, and it's not dissimilar yeah. to a lot of that. I don't, I don't know what what kind of music I'm synth. What kind of oh, uh, dark yeah. dark synth? Um, I have a computer. Yeah. Yes. So a year after that tragedy struck, unfortunately, when Askew died um, in the ghost ship warehouse where... Now, ghost ship, this was huge at the time. The ghost ship... I thought you were about to say they died on a ghost ship. And I was like, what? I know, you, yeah. How yeah. can you die twice? I know, right? Continue. Um, on, um, it was an artist space mm. for alternative creatives in Oakland. And 36 people died due to a fire caused by a faulty maintenance electrical outlets. It was never meant to be somewhere where people lived it mm. was a warehouse which would honey you wonder like why people can't live in warehouses they they're not specifically set up, yeah. they're can't not set, set up they're not yeah. set up because this kind of stuff could happen um i remember there was the, one there was one place in town it was just an artist space um i visited there a couple of times so we, we, um at the early days of the the nerdy podcast we, we uh oh yeah we were yeah thinking about getting a studio so I, I went down and i knew the guy who ran the place and there was like 40 kind of studios in this big old warehouse um, and it was exactly kind of between, uh, where was it? It was just down off Fibsborough. And yeah. there was people definitely living in there. Like, geez, there was cots in the corner and mattresses and all. And it was, yeah, like, there'd be like one bathroom on every fucking two floors. And Well, you see, they, they not only did they, like, have artist space, they held big gigs there as well. Uh, for bands that stayed there and DJs and stuff like that. Mm. And the, the when they checked it after the fire, they were like, there was just stuff nailed to the walls that shouldn't have been yeah, and stuff like that and loads of stuff going into outlets that couldn't be shouldn't have been um, the guy extension who owned cards the, the, on extension yeah, cards on extension the, cards yeah the tenant and his uh, assistant were both arrested and charged with uh, oh yeah felon, felony, fel, uh, felony involuntary manslaughter 100% um, which is what happens if you're charging presumably charging rent to a warehouse which yeah. you don't do that stuff um, in 2018 the only surviving member, Kenny Ashen, released Amends, which features a lot of work that was to be their next album mm. and featuring uh, some other artists as well. She also okay. released her own album under the name SQSR called Unreality. And that's how I found this band oh. through that. I just happened to see a review of this Unreality and listened. It was like, that's amazing. I was like, where the hell is this girl going from? Mm. And I read this story and the story of like, yeah. So 36 people died in that. That's kind of, I remember watching a bit of a documentary kind of thing. Or no, I read a big giant article, that's what it was, mm. this massive article. And it, you kind of sort of feel bad for the assistant who uh, was the one in charge of like taking money and run the place. But yeah. he didn't know anything about electronics stuff at that, but at the same yeah. time, I don't know. It's, it's, a sad, it's a sad story, but yeah. um, listen to this band. They're deadly. They really are. They're only going to ever have two albums, unfortunately. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. When, when someone kind of dies a tragic death like that it's fucking horrific but some some bands I think have to have their like if you look at it from an artistic point of view I think some bands are better off just shining a big bright light for a couple of albums and fucking off yeah you yeah. Know? and other stuff obviously comes from it as well <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, anyway 
That's a bit grim, but that's what happens. It is. What is who's your next one? My next one is uh, Fred Schneider from the B fifty twos. Yeah, uh, I he's fucking love. Sure he's pretty sure he's gay. Yeah, Fred Schneider's been out as gay from the fucking get go. Like he never, yeah. never hit it. Uh, he told, <laughs> I like him. I have to say, I love Fred Schneider. He's fucking brilliant. <laughs> uh, I love the B B fifty twos. The B fifty twos to me. Um, B-52 has been around for a long time, since like 1976. Which is I used to hate, I'm not going to lie, before I go any further, I used to hate them. Because I first time I heard When I was Love a kid, same. Yeah. yeah. Just didn't, fucking, and now I, now I think Love Shack is a deadly song. It's a well, great song. Well, it's the so one well I heard, I don't know what happened that came out, I was like, this is shit. See, here's the thing, right? We were too young, I, I, I bet you I did the exact same thing as you. We were too young to understand kind of that uh, retro appeal. Like, yeah. I, I, as you get older, like we start watching movies and watching TV shows, yeah. and we we start seeing the stuff <laughs> that they're basing their entire look and sound upon. Yeah. That weird kind of uh, bit, bits of surf and uh, like they had so many different fucking things going on. I and mean, not just that. Like they just just even the last band I just mentioned, we're now listening to retro eighties kind of new retro stuff. Mm. Uh, so there was people that loved the fifties stuff listening to music. Oh, yeah. and because they were like, "Oh, what's this throwback shit?" Yeah, Little yeah. did I know I'd be not always listening to Pearl Jam. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, so the B-52s were formed in Athens, Georgia, in 1976. And they, they, they went through a couple of different styles of music. So they, they were kind of new wave for a while. They were uh, uh, art pop. So they, like, they couldn't yeah. have been new wave in 1976, right? Because punk was only starting in 1977, mm. say, 76, 77. Um, so the new wave element would have came maybe in the around 1980, 1981, something like Jeez, that. I didn't think they were going that long. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, so if I had to guess, I, I'd say you're, you're dealing with kind of a dance, rock, pop kind of band, you know, who had sort of influences and shit like that. You know, they been mad right. into, into a lot of that kind of 50s and early 60s stuff. Uh, the name comes from a variant of, of the Beehive hairdo. Um, that looks like oh, the really? nose, looks like the nose cone of a B fifty two bomber. So it's kind of like when you think of B fifty two, obviously think of the you think of the plane, but the name comes from the fact that um, they were mad for those these fucking beehive haircuts, and there was a particular right. variant of it uh, called the B fifty two because it looked like the fucking the nose cone. I thought bomber. it was an airplane. It is an airplane. Um, oh, it is. Well, it, right the, the name is based off a haircut based on the nose cone of that airplane. So it's a fucking mad weird one. Uh, the first single was Rock Lobster in 1978. I do like that song. It's fucking great. I picked uh, Private Idaho because I fucking love Private Idaho. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, Fred is one of the founding members. Uh, now, what, he is famous for his vocal style. His vocal style is real weird. It's called Sprechgesang. Right, and it's a weird. It, it kind of originated in uh, in Europe, obviously with an English right. Brekkersang, and it's a weird variant of singing and talking. Is what it is, right? Because so, yeah, it is weird. It's yeah. like yeah, exactly. So Brekkersang is is a style of kind of melodic melodic talking. It's real fucking weird, but they generally try and keep it flat. And there's there's a lot of kind of points that have to be hit for it to be Sprecher's gang. Um, so it's a weird combo kind of singing and speaking. Um, there's a bunch. Of, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. He didn't just start. I just thought he randomly couldn't sing and started just. No, no, that's, he, he went. He went after that. Um, he, that. That was what he wanted to do. I think he started off oh, playing. Really? He started off in that band playing like the banjo or something. That ended up singing and writing the songs. Yeah. And, um, that band's more of a collective. 
than a than a band. You right. get that feel out of them. Everybody in the band yeah. kind of done their own bits and pieces, but the B fifty twos was their main thing. Uh, there's a there's a bajillion B fifty twos albums, a bajillion of them. Um, I'm sorry, so it's since the what fifties? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he went off and done two solo albums. He had a couple of real big hits actually with solo albums as well. He done real well um, off off one of them in particular. Yeah, but he started getting involved in kind of media stuff then as well. People wanted his weird take on songwriting as well because uh, he's mad for poetry. He's fucking mad for poetry. Really? So, um, he's, he like does uh, books of his own poetry all the time. He done one book. This is fucking mad. And he, uh, I think he made 200 copies of a book of poetry, but he hand wrote every single one of them. That's mental. Yeah. So he just That's bought, brilliant. Yeah, like he had like blank books made up and he just sat there filling them out and he wrote them like 200 copies. Um, oh, he's done a lot of stuff with that. His poetry is kind of his main main bag. Uh, <laughs> he was involved in the theme song for uh, The New Adventures of Captain Planet. Uh, was he? he? Yeah, he was involved on RuPaul's debut album. Um, I like RuPaul. I like RuPaul's yeah. drum race. But he's, the music um, is the, horrific. It's, yeah, it's horrific, horrible shit. So show. bad. Yeah. Um, he's written except, songs. Sorry, except yeah, Sissy Don't Walk. I have to put say Sissy Don't Walk <laughs> yeah. is a banger. Yeah. Grade A banger. He's written songs for Elvira. The Queen of the fucking Night. Oh, yeah. Um, that makes sense. He wrote songs for the Rugrats movie. Oh, um, I knew that. He had a big song for that, actually. Yeah. Uh, what else did he do? He's, uh, he's actually, something that we talk about an awful lot is uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch being our favourite kind of musical. I love that musical. Oh, man. fucking That's good. Fantastic but, musical. Yeah, he was involved in a, an album called Wig in a Box, uh, which is like a lot of famous people got together and done all the songs from Hedwig. And he done, uh, he done Angry Inch. Oh, you see, oh, right, because that's, I was going to say the typo negatives cover that, but no, obviously that's a, diff, that's a separate thing altogether. Uh, yeah, I actually need to go looking for that Wig in the Box compilation. It kind of looks cool. Yeah, he cool. sang, uh, he done a song with the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters covered the B-52s, uh, Planet Claire, and I think they've done a version with Dave Brown singing, and then they've done a version with Fred singing. And I think they released mm. the one with him singing. It's weird, real weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's mad weird. He's written a lot of songs for uh, Sophie Ellis Bexter as well, apparently. God, so, so many people have written songs for her. Yeah, I think she's just That's a mad. shell of a human, but it's just fucking. <laughs> you, just, you fill the fucking needle up with music. Very st- pretty, though. She's, she's gorgeous. Very pretty. Um, yeah, yeah, you just fill the a fucking syringe up with music, jab it in her arse, and fucking inject it into her. <laughs> and off she goes into the studio there. Oh, well, oh, oh, thank oh, you. I'm going to. Exactly. And uh, then there's an album made because 100 other people wrote it. Mm. But she can sing. I like her, vo- I like her voice. And she's uh, she's smashing, but that's Fred Schneider. I I always loved B fifty twos. Um, once I kind of copped on about music, like I said, when I was a kid, and it was just this fucking uh, rock lobster, rawr, and it wasn't. I didn't know what was going on. So what's this cartoon human? Like what the fuck? And they had like all the the color was turned up, the saturation was turned up, and a horse to watch the videos. Yeah, and it was, it was just, all the big suits, the red yeah, suits. It was yeah. too much. But then when I got <laughs> a bit of cop on, I was like, this is actually amazing. Like now that yeah. I've seen what they're basing this upon, both musically and the style. You have, you have to remember as well around that era, we were listening to very moody music. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. The Cure mm. and stuff. I was anyone. I was like. What is this shit? Yeah, I'll just, literally, shit? climbing trees wearing skin tight jeans and like 10 howler docks <laughs> with Slayer t-shirts and army parka jackets on in 25 yeah. degree weather looking at people. Look at them cunts. That's all I was doing okay. at this age. And this comes out, you know, rock lobster, <laughs> love shack, and turn that shit off. And about six years later then when you've listened to like more than the two albums that, yeah. you, all, that was all you listened to when you were like fucking a kid. And all of a sudden, you're like, this is actually really good. I'm not telling anybody. 
You know, you oh, get the you air edge now. You, you, take your, you take Nevermind out of the CD player and it's like <laughs> stuck to it because it's exactly, melted onto yeah. it. Got fucking well, bored into put it. Different, well, that's when you find Radiohead and you go, yeah. you know what? I'm going to listen to other stuff that's cool as well. Yeah. We've well, talked about that before. For me, it was, it was uh, that put me into that kind of slightly more easier listening music that wasn't like or like mad gangster rap. It was, uh, it was the bands and then uh, OK Computer for me, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I don't care what anybody says uh, about my life. I don't care what anybody says about my life. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that was me. It's anyway, that was Fred. Life. That was Fred Schneider. It's my life. Um, that was Fred Schneider from the B-52s. Who is your next one? My next one is Cole Porter. Mm. Cole Porter is, if you don't know, if anyone doesn't know, one of the most successful pop songwriters of like the 20s and 30s. Hmm. So you never heard of Cole Porter? You would have heard that song. Anything goes. That's what I put on this. Mm. It's Fallout music. It's like music from Fallout. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've known a Cole, Cole Porter was actually, like the guy playing him was in that new show. Hollywood, is that what it's called? What's that Hollywood, Hollywood show called? I that. You know, that, no, that's the thing on Netflix where I, like it's all about. Oh, I did watch that with, with, with the, the, the board with the eyebrow. Have you watched that show? It's the it's the show where like everyone's trying to break into Hollywood, yeah. but they have to work out like uh, a sort of like male prostitute thing. Yeah, it's fucking batshit mad. It's actually a yeah. good show and it looks kind of cool. Uh, but yeah. the main the main actress in it has this thing that she does with her eyebrow, and you'll want to throw the telly out the fucking window once you realise that she every single scene she does like the rocks people eyebrow. She does the people's eyebrow but from the rock in every. Is this scene the older scene. girl with the red hair? No, 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 no. Um, I don't know what her name was. Uh, it's the main girl who's like, she's black and they won't cast her so they bring her oh yes um, she's going out with the uh, he's a writer uh, he's, a Jewish oh, he's writer, like half, he? half half Filipino half yeah yeah yeah. but he can yeah. pass because he, he doesn't look very Filipino Filipino. so um, yeah. yeah he's going to play he's going to play Andrew Cunan in a the Versace oh, I don't know I couldn't tell you yeah uh, but yeah, yeah I, can't, I, I enjoyed that show and I hope they make more of it and, yeah, uh, well, like Cole Porter was in, I think, episode one. Okay, and that's that's letting you know that the world knew that Cole Porter was like gay, even yeah. though he was super, super famous. He done all he, those he, fucking hello, my darling, hello, na, 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 all that yeah, stuff. But he wrote for Broadway musicals, okay. which now, like, obviously, comes as no surprise that that was what attracted him. And I don't know. Are I we doing? Think, uh, let's do it. Let's fall in love. Okay, all right. Let's yeah. do it. Uh-oh. It's falling yeah, where the uh, oh, yeah. He was he was born into the richest family in Peru, Indiana. Not the country. Peru. Say, actual I know Peru. in Peru, yeah. yeah. Um in eighteen ninety one. He learned the violin. Eighteen ninety one. Yeah. He learned the violin at age six. Hmm. He learned the piano at eight, and he wrote his first operetta at the age of ten. Full on oh he was eating muck. Yeah, at ten. Yeah. Imagine that. No, he had help. Bounfuls of it. Like, uh, to, like that. Well, that's good learning time for kids. They absorb that stuff. Yeah, They're powerhouses at that age. And anyway, he wrote uh, three hundred songs while at Yale studying, uh, including student songs like "Bulldog" hmm. and "Bingo Eli Yale" that are still played today. Wow. The, the thing, yeah, at football. Football. That's stupid. Football. Uh, he moved to Paris in 1917 and enlisted in the French Foreign Legion. Fuck. Rough gear. What the fuck? Although some people say that he didn't. They checked up it. They checked up the listings and apparently 
his name was there, Cole Porter in the French Foreign Legion. A year later, he met Linda Lee Thomas, who was a rich divorcee from Kentucky, uh, eight years older than him. They married, even though she knew full well he was gay. It was perfect for her at the time. He was a well-known singer-songwriter, kind of pop guy, and that was mm. like good to get out of a, a relationship she was in. And obviously, a marriage of convenience, it's very good for him as well to yeah. portray uh, uh, heterosexual. Because you couldn't do that then. Like, people knew, but you couldn't do it in public. You couldn't yeah, say yeah, it yeah. else, you know. Like, like a shadow like. society almost, yeah. Of course, yeah. People go, oh, he's lighting the loafers. Yeah, she, he the <laughs> cash, you know, yeah. she. Um, in 1937, his horse rolled and crushed his legs, leaving him substantially crippled. And he was in pain for the rest of his life. Now, he died of kidney failure in 1964 Jesus Christ at the age of 73 so for most of his life he was in agony he was still writing Broadway like shows it was weird because I I, I was looking up this and like what was notable about it was which is why he's so notable to a lot of people is because Broadway musicals the lyrics were never written by the people that wrote the music what year did he die? 64 64 so that Jesus two world wars Vietnam like, yeah, Jesus Christ, that's that's a serious block of time to inhabit. Like, when you think about yeah, it, yeah, it is. And imagine mad. having to do it while fucking hiding what you are, yeah, absolutely. Well, like, I don't know how much he hid it because you have to understand he's mega rich. Well, not mega rich, but he's, he's mega rich and he's famous and he's in yeah. artistic circles. But it would help a little bit, but it's yeah. still, he would have heard things he didn't like and he would have uh, been denied opportunities. Of yeah, I don't know, but thankfully. He seemed to have lived until Jesus fucking hell, a horse rolling his legs. Fucking mental. That's mental. Yeah, look, I know. I, every time you think you don't know a Cole Porter song, you'll find it and go, that's him. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's been covered by everyone. Like, mm. So, yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah. It's I've always wanted to put Cole Porter into a, uh, into a playlist. Mm. I couldn't figure out, I was like, how do you get like a 20s? Yeah. It's a weird, so, <clears throat> songwriter into one, and I thought, "Fuck it, this is the one." Gotcha. Yeah, he does. He does appear. He's, he's well known to have been to being gay. And it's like yeah. it was in that show, uh, Hollywood. Is it called Hollywood? I think it's just called Hollywood. Yeah, it's yeah, I watched it, it, but it's good. It's, it's good, fine. It's fine it's, garbage. You know, I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, except for the scenes exactly. that I won. Yeah, I won't bother the life out of me, lad. I can't stop. I so I haven't finished yet now. No, right. it's Hollywood. just her eyebrows. Every single scene, the eyebrow goes up. And it's mad bothersome. I'll be, I'll be sure to check. You will. Once you see it, you'll go. never, you'll never let it go. Then it was, it was uh, that was Cole Porter. Who is your next one? My next one is uh, an obvious one, but it kind of has to be said: is Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Yeah, I mean, this is a big deal to me. Yeah, this is definitely a big fucking deal. Uh, I picked Solar Angels. That's my favorite Judas Priest song. I love this fucking song. It, the riff is just. Bananas, it's fucking. Don't bananas. like them at all. I have to say, I like I'm, a I, of, straight up. Yeah, I'm with you. Not a massive Judas Priest fan. Yeah. Uh, Judas Priest were too British for me. They're uh, very British. They wave the flag around. It's all yeah. very. Their the album's called British Steel, and yeah, it's just. Were, I'm sorry, I'm not being a cunt. I just don't like that, see that. I'm, I didn't yeah. see any flag too much in. in I don't think so. Yeah, Although, the, I suppose if a Russian band or a German band started writing the flag, I'd be like, that's all right, I don't really care. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, we have a bit of history here. I'm kind of born uh, born with a little bit of that fucking dort on Would well. you look at that with an Irish band? If you saw an Irish band that were constantly flags and it was like... Oh, yeah, it bothered the shit out of me as well. Like, but only, only out of begrudgery. 
out of Irish begrudgery, we're like, saps, who do I think they are? But then when <laughs> yeah. I see like a British band waving the Union Jack, I'm like, look at them fucking scumbags. But then if someone start waving like a French flag, I'm like, no one cares. No, That's okay. the way I be. So the wee German flag. I don't even know German da, flag. Da, like. Daft Punk came out with like their visors with French flags like digitally across their visors. Yeah. Don't care. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Literally any other country on earth. Whatever. Wouldn't be mad on the Chinese one or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, not for me. Uh, as because I haven't left the gaff in eighteen months or something. <laughs> but, and they uh, not into eating dogs or anything like that either. But uh, Rob Halford's a big one. Judas Priest kind of existed already, just about, and they were looking for a singer. And one of the lads in the band knew a fella called Rob Halford. And Rob Halford at the time was the manager of a porn cinema. Was he? Yeah, he was running a porno cinema. And uh, they brought him in and he fucking, he just straight away, bang, off you go. Because he started off, he had kind of bleach blonde hair and shit like that. But That's the time, right. Yeah. But the time they got around to recording their first album, he was saying, I'm just going to shave my head um, and I'm going to wear the shades and the studs and the whole shebang. And uh, he didn't come out until, he came out in 1998. And he couldn't have done oh, really? it. Yeah. Was no, I think a lot of people, there was rumours, I think, right, right. an awful lot of rumours. Um, but he didn't officially come out until 1998. And he kind of came out, not not accidentally. I think he just he was doing an interview with, with MTV and he just said, Fuck it. I just bleh, came out. And he said like really? from that from that point on it's just his whole life changed. You know what I mean? That yeah. he, he didn't have to hide it because he never went out in the he never went out with the lads afterwards right in the clubs and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Um, he just went back to the fucking hotel room because he, he he'd given up, he gave up the drink and drugs and shit like that. I think in the oh, right, yeah. in the Jesus the late eighties maybe. And um in the late eighties or mid eighties, maybe he gave up, gave up everything, just because he was riding rings around himself. He was going full fucking his uh, his idol in life was Freddie Mercury, so he was trying to fucking he was trying to do his best Freddie Mercury impression. He said, "Yeah." So, uh, but he just he done damage to himself. So I can't do this anymore. Um, like you know, it must be super stressful to hide it just on a daily basis, where you have this slight filter over everything that comes out of your mouth that can't be like me fella. Or yeah, I'd whatever. assume you're just living like like dual personalities. Or you, like you, you, it's almost like a split personality where you kind of. I wonder is it hard to remember who knows and who doesn't? Like you have to remember, like you maybe. can't go, you can't, you can't even mention the guy too much. Like uh, going over to like Ting's house, like you go over to his house all the time. You talk to your family or something, but they might know you. Like mm. hiding that must be fun. well, probably didn't hide it from his family. But I, 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 I don't, apparently, the guys in the band. Uh, they kind of knew, but I, I, it's weird. I read two two interviews where like uh, he was like, I think the lads in the band knew, but like, obviously I'll give a shy. And then another one was, was saying that like the lads in the band didn't know because I like, didn't really hang out with the guys in the band. And right. he also um, he also he left uh, he left Judas Priest in 1991. That's right, <laughs> for a while, didn't he? Left for fucking years um, until 2002. Uh, the reason he left is they were doing a gig in Toronto, and he came on stage on a Harley. He'd ask for a Harley to drive out on stage. He used to do that every now and again if it was a big arena. Yeah. And something went wrong with the Harley. And instead of stopping, it sped up. And he went straight into the drum riser and oh. uh, smashed himself up, broke his nose. And he was left unconscious. And the band had already started playing the song. So they had yeah. to just play the first song or two with him unconscious on the ground. And a broken what? nose. Yeah. So then he kind of, he woke up, snapped up, over, finished the gig. But uh, after the gig, he fucking quit the band. He sued the record label Sony. Uh, he, he sued them for something weird like uh, um, restrictive practices or prohibitive practices or something like that. They wouldn't let him do what he wanted to do and uh, make the show the way he wanted the show to be and shit like that. That sounds like a great way of getting out of something though. 
Like, oh yeah, I, yeah. I can't deliver it the way I want to deliver. It. He yeah. might have just went. You know what, man? You know you can have like if if I don't know how much of a life changing experience that would be, but you could wake up and go, "No, I'm done with this shit." And that's the final straw. You know, if you're slightly bored or something, or coming to the end of it, and something like that happens, you're like, "Fuck that, man." Yeah, yeah. Uh, like he's you know when he left uh, Priest, he done a bajillion yokes. Like he he started a band with um what's his name John Foyer from Marilyn Manson. Started like an industrial group with I, him. I remember he, every time we'd pick up crying to be a new Rob Halford band. Yeah. Uh, he had yeah. he, he honestly had four or five of them going. Then he had his own thing going. Uh, he's also doing a lot of singing with Black Sabbath as well. Uh, yeah. He was covering, uh, back in the day, cover for Dio, then he covered for Ozzy. And there was a couple of gigs where uh, Ozzy couldn't make it because he was sick. So they get Rob in to sing because Rob has one of the biggest ranges in all of rock music. Yeah. He can do the growly fucking rah, rah, rah stuff and he can do that, rah, the Maiden-esque shit. He just has a massive, massive range. Um, so we can cover everybody. He can, he can do pretty good impressions almost of everybody as yeah. well. Uh, so that he, he's covered for an awful lot of people um, over the years. But yeah, he, he considers himself. He considers himself to be the. He calls himself the stately homo of heavy metal. Is what he, <laughs> he refers to himself. Yeah, um, I often like. I remember like years ago talking about this to metalers, and someone kind of go, "How does how does he come out straight in such a macho fucking?" type of music and how does he not get slagged all the time someone just went would you slag Rob Halford about anything mm. like anything he looks like he bat you well that that and like, the, listen there's a particular kind of subgenre of metal that Judas Priest inhabit that is incredibly camp and it is like when you look at Judas Priest and you see like the covers and it's like the hand holding the razor blade and he comes out with like a leather jacket and sunglasses yeah. and gloves with spikes all over them you're like Oh yeah. Like I wouldn't if I saw some dude walking out on stage wearing all that clobber now, I'd be like, this is like tongue in cheek kind of music. You know what I mean? It take would, him, you know what you mean? And that, yeah. as well as that, that look was already designated to uh gay biker kind of uh associations and bars yeah. and stuff like that yeah. in America. Yeah. You would see that a lot. They, they a lot of gay people took up the image of the bikers, but they added more they just amped it up to the yeah, next yeah. level. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with uh, in the UK in the 80s. Um, a lot of skinheads were gay. The skinheads had kind of co-opted the... Sorry, a lot of, a lot of uh, gay men in the UK had co-opted the skinhead look. Um, yeah. And it became a big thing. Remember, like, Right Said Fred and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, the, yeah. Like, uh, they would have been kind of... Those guys would have been the pop kind of variant of what the, the gay skinhead groups were looking like. They, were, like, they literally looked like... like like ska and reggae and oi fucking skinheads like they had yeah. bomber jackets torn up jeans fucking oxblood uh, oxblood ducks or, or fucking get a grips or whatever or solivares or whatever and shaved yeah. heads but there were gay lads who went to like uh, fucking like um, house uh, house parties and raves and that's the music they were into uh, Morrissey would have taken an awful lot of that stuff if you go back to the early early 90s and Morrissey was uh, doing his solo stuff and look at his albums you'll see loads of photos with Morrissey hanging out with skinheads and they're all yeah. a lot of his mates who were like part of the gay skinhead subculture right so like there's definitely um, both scenes kind of feed off themselves like, like I said when I see before I ever knew that Rob Halford was gay when I saw pictures of what Judas Priest looked like, it looked like a joke. Like it looked yeah, like, like very uh, cheesy. Yeah. Not to do it even camping. It's just no, no. Yeah, but it just, just had this like fucking theatrical element to it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, the, the Iron Maiden wouldn't even go down that no, room. No, Like, Iron Maiden, like, uh, fucking... Bruce They're the nearest... The near, Iron Maiden are the nearest thing I can think to... To Priest, yeah, 100%. Priest, yeah. But, and they, and, but they had a... They, when you think about it, Iron Maiden kept everything very much kind of war. You know, like all their stuff. Oh, they'd, yeah. They had bombers in the ceiling and, he, you know, he's out there swinging the bleeding Union Jack with a cutlass yeah. attached to it. He kept everything very fucking milita- militaristic. Um, but priests just were, they were like a fucking, just heavy metal personified, done by somebody who like read about heavy metal once. And because of that, it comes off as very much theatre, very much the big show. Yeah. Like and my think- favourite song by the man, the only song I really like is Turbo Lover. <laughs> yeah, like, there you that, go. That's not like Run <laughs> to the Hills or yeah. fucking Killers or something by like Iron Maiden. That's not even that fucking strong are heavily uh, yeah. based in on like something evil. But Turbo Lover, tell me there's no other. That is quite like, yeah. theatrical. Of course it is. Um, the, the, I think priests suffered a little bit from people taking them maybe a little bit too seriously without knowing that perhaps oh, yeah. Rob and Co weren't taking it all that seriously. If you get yeah, like looking back now, like well, you see, that wasn't even the problem I had with Judas Priest. Never was the problem I had with Judas Priest. Whether they were uh, too serious, just, no, just the music wasn't very good. Really. Yeah, just, just I just don't think their songs are good. Loads of their songs, they've great riffs, and then I don't have any problem with Rob Halford's voice or lyrics. It's just no. the changes in the music. I'm like, oh, this is boring. Yeah, it's uh, bars the shit. I saw them yeah. live in a bar. Me show too. You. I saw them with Megadeth years ago. Probably the same way. Like, that's the one I saw. Yeah, yeah, they were it, brutal. It was brutal. It was. It was garbage. Um, yeah. Now apparently they don't like playing Ireland. Um, well, probably because they wave the flag around all the time. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, <clears throat> um, but apparently they don't like playing over here. So well, don't uh, fucking play it then. Yeah, exactly. Please don't, because obviously it was a testament to Megadeth and then Priest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and Megadeth were fine. The sound for Megadeth was was shy, Sound was sound was really bad, but they yeah. gave it a good bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, that was a uh, Rob Halford, uh, yes. the gay leader of one of the biggest heavy metal bands the world has ever seen. Who was your next one? My next one is someone that I've mentioned before, and I can't remember which podcast. I think it was the one where we were listening, getting each other to listen to music we Stuff thought we like. the other person yeah. would be into. Yeah. So this is Eve's Schumer. Uh, the song oh, yeah, is gospel, it was, yeah. Yeah, gospel for a New Century. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a non-binary experimental singer and producer from Florida. Uh, it's just... I, oh, my God. I remember the first time I heard the Safe in the Hands of Love, that album, I was like, as I saw, like I often just see things popping up with like, if if the the better the reviews are, the more chance I'll see it somewhere oh, popping yeah. up in one of the music blogs or something like that. Mm. And this was just, uh, I was just going. I saw the album cover and I went, I can't listen to every album. So sometimes mm. I look at the album cover and go, that's interesting. Me, or I'll try and I, I, you know, never judge a book by its cover. I never judge an album by its cover. But sometimes, if I don't have all the time in the world, I'll have to just go, "Ooh, that looks like it's interesting." Yeah. yeah. So make me. And this album was mad looking cover. Yeah. Um, it looks like a kind of demon on the front of it. Mm. And I was, I couldn't figure out what the kind of music was like. It sounded like I was listening to DJ Shadow meets Massive Attack meets, mm. like, could be. Tyler the Creator, if he wasn't rapping and just sort of yeah. sing talking, yeah. Um, and I, uh, the songs of that called Noid and Lifetime, where I just fucking stood right out to me. And I was like, "What is Eve's humor? Is that one person? Is it loads of per- yeah, people? Yeah. Is it a band name? No, it's just the name for one person. Um, just a project. Yeah, and I can't even get a good picture of them really? because they look a bit like some pictures. Honestly facially they mm. look a little bit like dmx and in another picture 
they look like fucking Lady Gaga. Weird. It's madness. Yeah. I can't get a singular look. If you type in Eve's tumor, mm. you'll be looking at a picture of one person, but about a million personas. And I think that they like to hide. Yeah, maybe a lot cre- of, creating their own. I'm it is. At, it I'm is creating. You see all the different like personas. Oh, yeah. Well, with the makeup and well, okay. some of it is in, some of it is incredible. It can go from looking like Marilyn Manson to. Mm. Like Kylie Minogue mix like on acid or something. Oh god, I just said Kylie Minogue on acid. Yeah. It's like the Matrix on speed. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it here now. That's uh yeah, there's a lot of uh lot of the image there. there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the image you see, they're crazy into just creating and it, like it could be to hide. They might I don't know. I always get a sense when someone overdoes the makeup stuff that they find it easier to perform less like that. In persona, like yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Some people just absolutely love to look mad yeah, yeah. crazy to push mm-hmm. it forward because you have to be honest with you it's 2020 now your image is as important as it's ever been in definitely music. yeah yeah definitely. you need everything for an old cylinders and your music needs to be killer actually mm-hmm. no your music doesn't need to be killer it just needs to be perceived to be killer you need to get onto all the yeah, bugs you need to be popular stuff. yeah and maybe it's always been like that maybe it's possibly. always been like that. possibly Where, like looks do you get that that music act that just hits it at the exact right time. Mm. And I don't know how big Eve's tumor will get. I know that Pitchfork now are mad into you see the Pitchfork reviews coming in with the nine, eights and nines. Mm, but it's well-deserved, I have mm. to say. And to be honest with you, I'm not slating Pitchfork. I do agree with most of their reviews for things. A lot They're of times, yeah. Necessarily yeah. hard sometimes on things. But um, I had to mention Eve's tumor just because it's one of my favorite new artists to mm. Um, I can't figure out like what they're even like really, what it is yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as a person yeah. but the music just man that's safe in the hands of love is just a groundbreaking album I just mm. love it. I'd always recommend that to people and they listen and go this is mad it's really easy to listen to because it's, mm. it's experimental it has creepy loops but it's super accessible and easy to listen to but it's not boring so uh, look Good. that is the like gender neutral rock star yeah, Eve's tumor, Y V E S mm. tumor, and uh, listen to them. Who's your next one? My next one is Big Frida, oh, uh, yeah. who I've covered a couple of times in the podcast. I think in the past, uh, Big Frida. Can I, I don't even know how to explain the situation here. Uh, Big Frida was born Freddie Ross, so Big Frida is like uh, the stage name. Now, Big Frida identifies as a gay man but dresses as a woman um he right. does it all the time he doesn't said he doesn't have a preferred pronoun he's happy with he or she um he's, yeah. he's given interviews he's given kind of conflicting interviews where where he said like i prefer she and then they say no no i'm, I'm he today so he, you know he's a bit fluid in that, yeah. in that sense um <sighs> big frida <sighs> is one of the main kind of proponents of what's known as New Orleans Bounce. And we've talked about bounce music a lot on this yeah. podcast because it's mad important. It's mad important to hip-hop culture and it's not that big of a genre. Uh, we talked right. about stuff like the Trigger Man sample before. That's all, that's all fucking bounce music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. City Girls fucking twerk video and all that. You've heard it in literally a thousand songs. That is the entire basis of bounce music. Bounce music 
a lot of it all sounds the exact same, but it's mad different. It's fucking amazing. It does, it does all sound the same to me, so I yeah. need to listen to more of it. Yeah, it's, it's fucking oh, batshit mad. It's, it's, it's almost... I feel like there's no point in me listening to that unless I was dancing. It feels like it's yes. only listen yeah. to while people are dancing. It's yeah. useless Very for me much. to that music. Uh, Very much. Not that I dance, but it feels like sitting down listening to that feels like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Now, bounce music... Bounce music always had two kind of sub-genres, right? Uh, I had bounce, and then I had what's called sissy bounce. And sissy bounce was... There was a couple of... Uh, like cross-dressing bounce artists. There was trans bounce artists. There was gay bounce artists, like right. across the board. And they had their own clubs, their own nights. Okay, had, right. I was, yeah. I was like, how did they differentiate it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Now, their own clubs, I suppose, you're going to get there was, yeah. your own scene. Yeah. Now, eventually, both scenes just merged into one. It's just bounce now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot yeah. of that was down to uh, down to Big Frida, just saying, listen, fucking, this is nonsense. Why can you not go to this one and go to this one? But we're all into this fucking music. We all want to listen. Yeah. To this music for eight hours and dance and get locked. Let's just fucking do it. Um, her first single was in 1999, uh, first album in 2003. Um, now it gets this weird thing that happens to bounce music, and a lot of it is spearheaded by Big Frida as well. Where uh, fucking 2005, Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans right. yeah. and it essentially just wipes out the fucking sea. Destroy it, right? That was so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Now, what they done was everybody who lived in New Orleans was relocated and they were sent all over the country. And a lot of the bounce artists that got relocated started doing bounce nights in the cities and towns that they were relocated to. Right, right. So Big Frida was like, uh, how long was Frida there for? Frida was there for uh, Texas, maybe for almost a year. And start dealing with Imagine lights. Texas, Texas being into that. There's some parts of Texas that are incredibly liberal and, and left leaning. Um, a lot of it is fucking, I suppose, just shit kick or Wild West. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, it's still 2020, um, or it's still like fucking the 2000s. So yeah. there's, there's every city, every town. No, I mean, like, let's, let's, just, let's just start with people in Texas, which has not, I don't know how big the hip hop scene. What is that deadly band from Texas? There's a couple. I mean, they call it what the South Coast, don't they? Um, the South Coast is what they call it. My well, mind's it... playing tricks. That's um. A... Oh, Ghetto Boys. No, is that is they not from Texas? Yeah, Ghetto Boys. Jesus, you cut me now on the hop. Are Ghetto Boys from Texas. I will tell you exactly now because I have to fucking look it up. I think it might be right. That's correct. Um, yeah, I think the Ghetto Boys are Texas. I don't know why that hasn't fucking uh... Ghetto Boys. No, they're from Jersey. Who's your type? Your um. There's a deadly one. They have it. No, it's oh, not my mind's playing tricks. That song about being mad, super. Par- no, that is also about being paranoid. Mind playing tricks. I can't even type right now. Um, it's that hot in oh, this God, room. So hard. Well, the only reason we were doing this now is we can, and like it's it's it wrecked my head. Literally sweating bollocks off. Texas hip hop. Let me see. See, I'm about to find an article. Dude. Oh, it is Ghetto Boys, but it's G E T O Boys. Yeah, G E T O Boys. Yeah, yeah, they're from Texas. Um, oh, Travis Scott is from Texas. Travis Scott, of course. Scar- Scarface, yeah, Scarface. He's from Texas, but I think Ghetto Boys were formed in uh, New Jersey. Right. Um, Post Malone's from Texas. 
Nelly that. says here. Yeah. Anyway, don't anyway, know. that's no, uh, offside. But anyway, well, what I was uh, trying to say is like the scene is down there would have accepted surely. I thought they would. Be oh yeah, uh, hip hop's always looking for something new. That's what. You, you'll see like every six seven years in hip-hop there's like the new thing that takes over you know you had like mumble yeah. then you had trap and um you had gangster then you had kind of the, the that kind of slow you had g-funk era like uh, hip-hop is very uh very progressive even for something that's not really progressive like um in in, in its in its, its its acceptance but musically it's always kind of pushing forward and wanting something new so when uh, Frida was there and done done a couple of bounce nights. Got uh, start getting kind of big now. Within a year, uh, Frida was one of the first people back into New Orleans, and right. they gave an interview. Um, she gave an interview saying, like one of the cool things that happened to bounce is that everybody came back to New Orleans and they were after getting their insurance checks from their buildings and their businesses and all this kind of their cars getting wrecked, all this kind of shit. So that yeah. was a shit ton of money in fucking New Orleans, New Orleans. And what a lot of people doing is to start opening up new clubs and new running new nights and fucking all this kind of stuff. And for like uh, for like years after this, Frida was doing like up to 10 gigs a week, just kind of doing bounce gigs totally. all over uh, New Orleans. Um, off the back of this then, Frida was given a reality TV show on Fuse. It's been running for fucking years. Right. Years. It's uh, I've never watched it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. Didn't be free to play here a few years ago. I don't know whether that gig actually happened. I think that no, gig might be yeah. yeah, you um, would have... Yeah. I, 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 I know I was dying to go. I was in the workman's club and I was on one of the nights I was working and I was trying to organise cover and I think something happened where it got cancelled. I can't fucking remember. So, something right. happened anyway um, where, where it all went to fucking... went to show you. Uh, free to appeared on Treme, which is obviously the big fucking... The, the big TV show we love that show love that show so Frida was on there doing like Jimmy Kimmel live doing a, loads of TV um, got a reality show on Fuse called The Queen of Bounce and that ran for like three years and then it got renewed for another like six years it's still running to now um, got a big uh, Frida got a big boost in like 2016 when Beyonce started sampling Frida's music right and uh, what was the fucking song? Formation's the name of the song. Start sampling. Like, oh, that's good. Yeah, start sampling like uh, bits of Frida's voice and bits of Frida's music. And then eventually Frida appeared on stage with Beyonce and done a bunch more stuff. Uh, Drake has also sampled um, some of the stuff. Um, we don't really want to talk about Drake, though. No. Yeah, bit, bit of a tour, bit of a tour pack. Uh, I picked the song. <laughs> I, picked, uh, I also just hate his music as well. Yeah, garbage as well. Um, <laughs> I picked karaoke with Lizzo. Um, for the song, it was actually a good song. I wanted, yeah, it is a good song. Another yeah, song. I wanted the song "Gin in My System," but it's not on Spotify. Um, I hate when that happens when we have the perfect yeah, song. Yeah. Spotify goes no. Yeah, gin, gin in my system is like one of the big kind of bounce anthems that Frida done. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, but that's big Frida. Um, uh, gay black man that wears women's makeup and clothes and is fucking killing it. Uh, can't miss. You can't miss Big Frida. Like the second, <laughs> like the second the photo pops up, there's no you can't go like who's that. You know exactly who it is. Like the yeah. style, everything has it down to a fucking fine art. Um, amazing fucking music. I always like Big Frida. Um, always been a big fan. It's fucking cool. batshit mad music. And it I'm is. Big, big, I, big, I can't get my head around yeah, it though. Big fan <laughs> of it. Uh, who's your next one? My next one is Joe Bryth. Mm. You heard of Joe Bryth? Uh, no. 
Shabroyeth is um, a cover of his song is on Morrissey's uh, covers album. Okay. The one that we don't really like is not, not, not great. Good. It's not good. Um, but Jabroyeth was the first openly gay rock musician signed to a major record label. Mm. The first roll of the dice on someone openly <coughs> gay and they pushed it hard. Really, really hard. So his real name is Bruce Wayne Campbell. No way. That's a what mad a name. Bruce Wayne Campbell. That's a savage you got, name. What they you, got Bruce Wayne, you got Bruce Wayne in there. You've yeah. got Bruce Campbell in there. Yeah. That's imagine a Bruce, name. Imagine Bruce Campbell playing Batman. Back yeah. Then. That would have weirdly worked. It would have came out like the tick. Yeah, I'd still be into it. Yeah. It would, um, uh, he's known as Jabroyeth, uh, born in Philadelphia in 1946. Taught himself a lot of instruments. Became just naturally good at music. Mm. Um, but was drafted into the military when he was 19, I think, and went AWOL within a month mm. because being gay in the army, zero yeah, crack. Zero crack. Zero, yeah. zero crack. He was um, passing out demos, and Carly Simon's uh, manager, Brett fucking, what's his name out there? Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. Anyway, um, heard his demo, and uh, it was actually being refused by another person. They were like, no, nah, try to do it. He said, what is that? Mm. So like, this is some guy called Joe Bryant. I don't know who this lad is. Anyway, got in contact with him where he was living in LA as a prostitute. They're like, do you want to, um, do you want to come down and like try out some songs? He was like, yeah. Mm. Got signed to Electra Records hmm. for what would be today a million quid advance. Fuck. That is, at the time, the most lucrative record yeah. contract of, of its time. It's insane, money. This is crazy. Like, I didn't really know anything about I'd heard the name Jabroyet and I'd seen in, in documentaries you'd hear it being mentioned. Hmm. His name being mentioned. Uh, so David Geffen gave, uh, signed him on a two-album deal, uh, a massive marketing campaign where they were like, like he's openly gay, and they're like, this is the new thing. Mm. This guy is glam rock artist, like an over-the-top glam rock artist. Mm. So they did a like full-page advertisements in Vogue, Rolling Stones, Penthouse, uh, 250 New York City buses posted. Fuck. 41-inch billboards in Times Square. Wow. And when he wanted to do a three-night album debut um, at the Paris Opera mm. um, that would have cost 200 grand, he wanted, he wanted, he told the press, this is what's happening, he goes, now, get this, I'm going to be dressed as King Kong, projected <laughs> up to the Empire State Building. Yeah. The Empire State Building is going to turn into a giant splurting penis <laughs> and I will transform myself into Marlene Dietrich and it's going to cost 200 grand. Lecture records cancelled that. Really? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, he started coming out with mad statements like uh, people are going to be talking about me when they talk about the Beatles and Elvis. Mm. He came out and said, this is what started to fucking, I think... They were, they were pushing him. They, he was openly gay. They were pushing him really, really fucking hard because the kid had it. Like, <laughs> you want to see pictures of him now. Mm. This is Hedwig, like, yeah. before, before yeah, Hedwig. Yeah, yeah. But when he started, he started really rubbing people up the wrong way with the way he was saying stuff like, I'm Rock's uh, truest fairy, yeah. as in, like, I'm the only person that's actually out about it. Mm. Um, the album sales were really poor oh. after after all that. All that. So it was a failed experiment on trying to push. And it's a shame because everything was done right. Mm. You needed to be a bit fucking brash. Yeah. 
if you're a bit, a bit, a little bit arrogant and stuff like that coming out, I think he was doing everything right. Mm. The the gigs he was playing were supposed to be fantastic. Like it was, it was one of those artists known for their crazy live performances yeah. as well. Um, he released another album six months later because mm. it was a two album deal. Uh, that bombed as well, and he was let go off the label. So he retired, retired from music to uh, to do acting. All right. Um, that didn't really go well. This is you see, he was kind of chewed up in spado yeah. a little bit to this, to, in the sense that he did everything right. The music's yeah. like really, really good. It is. If you listen to it, it's, it's crazy. Some of it, he's, he's mad at the folk as well. Hmm. Some of it's mad folky as well. He's got a song called Scumbag that is really fucking folky and really good. Hmm. It has like twinges of country in it. But this song here, um, this is Take Me, I'm Yours. No, it's not Take Me, I'm Yours. I changed it to I'm the Man, didn't I? I'll tell you now. <laughs> I don't know. I just close I did. I changed it to I'm a man because I was listening to them. I'm a man, yeah. And I was like, no, I want this to be the one that like, people yeah. hear the first time. Um, I'd known a couple of his songs to hear because mm. I think I had him on some playlist from ages ago. Maybe. Where we were going to do Lost Songs and it didn't really fit into Lost Songs because it wasn't Lost. Everyone, like, the albums were out, you can still buy them now. Mm. The, the artwork on them is incredible. It's brilliant. It's like, they, they hired like a famous... <laughs> famous artist like, yeah. I remember the, the artist name the Asian artist that did an incredible album cover um, but unfortunately he was the first openly gay rock musician to be signed to a major record label mm. he was also the first musician big musician to die of AIDS or pr- mm. pr- problems to do with AIDS mm. and that was kind of huge at the time as well because we'll get into it later with another artist as well that has happened but this in the 80s it was 83 that he died. Yeah. No, no one really fucking knew that much about it. Didn't know what the fuck was going no. on with it, like half no. the time. They really didn't. And what it was they call the gay plague and all the call, like, they nobody the knew gay, what it was. The gay cancer. Yeah. The gay cancer they were calling it because they couldn't figure out what it was because yeah. it was actually physically affect your face with lesions yeah. and, stuff, and stuff like that as well. But um, it's crazy because listen to this stuff. It's it's like shit. That I think the first album had Peter Frampton Frampton on it, and the second one had him and John Bonham from Led Zeppelin on it. Uh, this, like, this is one of the, like, I'm surprised more people don't talk about this. So Morrissey, obviously, is a massive fucking fan. Yeah. Um, and in 2004, he oversaw the 4CD reissue. You know the way, like, yeah, he yeah. does a bit of a Brian, not a Brian Ferry, a David Bourne, where he Yeah, he does stuff. a curation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'll pull it up. Um, he'd actually previously attempted to secure him as a support act for the Your Arsenal album, oh. completely unaware that he was well dead by then. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, not, not still alive. Um, before he died, he became uh, a lounge singer under the name Cole Berlin, where he would take requests and play literally anything people uh, asked him to play, hmm. except, except what? Have a guess. Oh, jeez, I couldn't tell you. Wouldn't play any Joe Bright songs. Ever. Oh, really? Refused to fly. When was on? To, no. Mad. People would be shouting up, Joe Bright? No, fuck off. Nah. Um, so yeah that's fucking mad uh, kind of came and went but it was mm. actually 10 years he was in the fucking business of, it doesn't get talked about a lot to bright uh, larger in life rock superstar that mm. uh, I think that was the first time all record labels were like right look they're pushing someone in rock music open the gate let's see how this goes I don't know why it didn't go well man because you had Queen going, but mm. Freddie Mercury wasn't openly gay at that stage. No. 
Um, apparently, Freddie Mercury was never openly gay. Like, the, um, I read, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, um, he he admitted to being bisexual, but I don't think he ever admitted to being uh, straight up gay. Uh, that's something I only found out this week. I read, obviously, doing research on here, and um, I read one. I actually read two articles that said, like, like every he said, yeah, he was gay, like, but he never yeah. actually came out. He never yeah. came, like now I could, I could be wrong. There could be a million articles out there, but uh, two of the things I read this week saying that no, no, it was just one of those like agreed and assumed upon things. Like you know, once yeah, yeah, yeah. once it was it was kind of out there and people it was in the zeitgeist. Everybody was like, yeah, grand, like you know, yeah. of course. Well, this was this was Joe Bright saying it from day one. Yeah, day one. So yeah, yeah that's him. Give him a listen. It's very interesting. Yeah, right. it's very interesting stuff. It's really, really. Some of it's really, really catchy. Cool. That was. Uh, that was my one. Who's your next one? Uh, my next one is Mina Caputo from Life of Agony. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a big one. Uh, Mina Caputo came out as transgender in 2011 uh, after not being in Life of Agony for years. Um, yeah. She left Life of Agony. When did she leave Life of Agony? Fuck me. Uh, 1990 fucking something. I think it was the mid-90s she left Life of Agony. Uh, joined Life of Agony in 1989. Uh, Life of Agony like a, a weird kind of crossover between kind of hardcore and metal band from Brooklyn oh, and that River Runs Red is that yeah that's that? the, I picked the song River Runs Red, Red yeah it's just that Fuck biggest song deadly yeah. stuff yeah. that album is yeah. fucking deadly um, it's, like I said it's a hard one to put down the music it's like it could come from hardcore uh, yeah it's also a bit Touch fucking metally, like yeah. You can I mean, put a type of negative in the sound, all right. Like, yeah, I think so. There's a, they, they had the, had one leg in that kind of uh, New York hardcore scene, and one leg in the kind of uh, kind of proper heavy heavy metal kind of scene as well. But yeah. they were loved by by everybody. Life fucking blew up real quick. Blew up real quick. I, I read an interview where she said like she wasn't really. She was in school and she kind of got into a band and was having fun doing the band but wanted to like go to wanted to go to a study in Juilliard and all this kind of stuff yeah. and then <laughs> something that becomes kind of a, a common theme between me and my next my last choice on, on this list as well where it felt like they had to play the part of like yeah. the the kind of punk or metal hard man you know um, in the early days where it's like everybody else is going to drink and gargle and doing yeah. Smashing up hotel rooms and you know banging women and fucking raging, and uh, she felt like this is just what I what I had to fucking do, like you know. But she was yeah. just kind of putting this mask on, and uh, yeah, and a bad reputation if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, for a while. Yeah, so for being mad aggro. Exactly. So then uh, she knocked it on the head, fucked off, done a bunch of stuff. I mean, a fucking shit ton of solo stuff and side projects. Um, yeah. Like I think there's like ten solo albums. Do you know what I mean? And uh, kind of spent the jump between, jump between uh, the states and Europe. She has a girlfriend in Vienna who's like a famous, uh, famous makeup artist. I think. And uh, yeah, like it, it's hard to explain how big Life of Agony were for like a small period of time. Like there yeah. was. There's like two two really big albums. Yeah, I think they done the first two albums were huge, and then the third albums were start turning to shit, and then she ditched after the third one, fucked off, came back then done a few more, uh, a couple of years later. But the first two were fucking massive, and they were I, like I saw them in Dublin. Yeah, she would have been not there. 
Yeah. I don't know who it was. I don't know who the guy. I don't know who they brought in. Yeah, they brought. They, but, uh, they, it was garbage. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't garbage it, gig. Yeah, it has to <laughs> has to be Caputo. Look, it just has yeah. to be. Um, but yeah, do, like that band have looks like they have like seven albums. I don't know how many mean it is on. Maybe four, maybe four, maybe five. Um, yeah. but like the, the band were so fucking big. So when uh she came out as transgender in 2011 like the whole the whole kind of metal and heavy rock scene just kind of stopped for a second I'm like the fuck what like I never forget yeah, like, that, that's one that I don't think people saw coming at all nobody saw that I, I don't think um, there was yeah. no there was no preamble to that whatsoever that was just something that she'd obviously been like fucking eating away at her for years said fuck it no doing it out. here we go yeah. and uh, start performing then as me that's right yeah. Yeah. And I don't think anybody knew what to make of it for the first fucking like six months, and then after that it was like whatever, fucking still deadly. Let's fucking go. This is first of all, it's the person that was singing the songs originally. Yes, and that's really important to when you're hearing songs. To me, yeah, to not yeah exactly. Someone, to not hear someone else singing Doing their version, song, which yeah. sometimes works. But trust me, I saw it didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Um, I haven't seen me and uh, me and yeah. doing uh, live agony, but I can tell you. Without seeing it, it'd be better than what I saw. Exactly. Whoever yeah. was, it was just... Now, I'm not saying the singer was bad. It's just, just didn't this was going through the motions. And I yeah. saw loads of Louis Fagany fans going, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, it could have been just some kind of like fill-in for the tour kind of situation. Because I know that they kind of, sure, yeah. they slowed down an awful lot as well and just kind of banged out a few bits and bobs um, before she came back. But that's just a quick one. That's an important one for kind of heavy music yeah, is, in general. Yeah. It's me and a yeah, I can imagine there would have been a lot of people going, no, I'm not into it now. I'm like, yeah, a lot of people would have walked away. An awful lot of people whatever. would have walked away. But you know what? That's a fucking scumbag filter, which is fine. We need them as well. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, who's your next one? My next one is Klaus Naomi. And the okay. song is Naomi song. I like Klaus Naomi a lot. Now, I wouldn't be listening to loads of Klaus Naomi. Mm. No one. No one does be listening to loads of Klaus Naomi. But Klaus Naomi is very, very important. Mm. Born Klaus... Sperber in 1944 in Germany. What a year. What a place mm. to be born in Germany. Uh, he's known for his like fucking extravagant experimental look music video and or music, music videos and stage shows. His music is bananas kind of synthesizer mm. interpretations of classic opera songs to covers of 60s pop songs. You, do you know what he looks like? I bet you'd know him if you saw him, right? Hey. He's, he has this oversized plastic tuxedo top mm. and this crazy hairstyle. He's balding, like, and then the hair is going back and it's pulled up like a mini kind of sideshow bob kind of haircut. Or no, sideshow male, maybe. Mm. It's crazy. His, he's got this, like, operatic voice. Like a proper opera, like, yeah. really super high range while he's singing over... It's like, fucking, I don't know, something like... The, like Plasticky or Kraftwerk song or something like that. Um, I'm gonna, song, I'm gonna look, the, look them up online now. I guarantee you'll go. I recognise that that person. I guarantee you will. Make sure it's got the spelling right here. This will be spelling. is not my my is friend. It, yeah, right. he's such a good style that he influenced not just like musicians. Ah, yeah, okay, he, all right, yeah, all right. You know, right? I don't know if. Yeah, how many people he influenced musically, mm. but style-wise, you can tell a hundred percent. Lady Gaga from the telephone video, yeah. had, and found that it was exactly like him. Hugo Boss, 
and Jean-Paul Gaultier had a range that was, that, was, um, that was influenced by him. And I was looking at pictures of him today going... Oh, there's him uh, with Bowie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the deal with Bowie was, right, you see, he moved to from Germany to New York, which is what you do if you're... Uh, was, you see, he never came out as gay, but he was gay. Mm. It's one of these things that people know now um, that he was gay. Um, he had to be a pastry chef in New York while he was doing music. Let's see what happens if he's living in New York. I'd yeah. say New York was a fucking kip. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. In the 70s and 80s, man. 70s and 80s. I was looking at a picture of the other day. It looked like a slum. Well, that's, yeah, apparently, like, even like Times Square was full of like, porno theatres and prostitutes and drug dealers. Like, it's yeah. not, like, uh, it was when uh, Giuliani came in as the mayor and he basically turned it into Disneyland and a lot of, a lot of New York's, a lot of New Yorkers fucking hated it. Like, what is this kind of homogenized, pasteurized version of New York? Like, oh, we're, yeah, yeah, we're meant to be the city that never sleeps. Like, the fucking, like, like Gotham, yeah. you know what I mean? That's well, what the it was. Cr- I think the crime was too bad, outrageous. Well. But apparently, how he got rid of crime was uh, stuff like jaywalking and shit that just was never enforced. He just put a zero tolerance policy on it. Jesus it was like, Christ. if you cross the road before the green man hits, you're getting a fucking fine. It's that simple. That's, that's bullshit. That's just that's yeah. worse than homogenized area. Yeah. He just turned it into like a fascist yeah. state, you know. So fascist that, state, yeah. And that, that, that fueled an awful lot of musicians, actually. Yeah. That changeover. Well, he got so big in the New York scene that David Bowie even heard of him and started going to start like, looking him up and stuff like that. Mm. It was like, right, this guy is fucking phenomenal. So he got him to play with him and Klaus Nomi's band. They played as a backup band to Bowie on Saturday Night Live in oh, 79. Yeah. So that's what you'll see. David Bowie even got one of those plastic tuxedos made. <laughs> so, yeah, I've seen the photo of him wearing the same thing. Like, yeah. yeah, so he played that on Saturday Night Live as well. Um, Nomi died in 1938, also of complications from AIDS. That's mm. the same year as Jabroyat as well, actually. Mm. On the same, yeah. And uh, he was again another one of the, uh, the earliest known people uh, in the arts community yeah. from AIDS. And uh, it was kind of sad because the rumor is going around that he died on his own where none of his friends would come and see Ugh. him. They thought it was contagious. Yeah, Didn't know yeah, yeah. It. nobody knew they, anything. The, le- the lesions were really, really bad with, yeah. with him and uh, stuff like that. So, but then I was reading up again today. I kept reading up about it. I was like, "That's fucking horrible." There's loads of people saying, "No, he did. He died. He died on his own the night he died." But yeah. before that, his band were in with him like every day. All right, very good. So it's it's good to know that. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, uh, a lot of mine, Jesus, a lot of mine are very sad, aren't they? They are pretty. Fires, right? Yeah. Fires, two AIDS. Yeah. Fucking hell! But like. I don't know. I could pick like artists now that uh like none of mine are dead. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's your next one. Uh, my last one. Uh last one's a big one for me personally. And I picked Laura Jane Grace from Against Me. Uh Against Me being one of my favourite bands since I first heard them in yeah. Jesus the early, early two thousand, so almost twenty years ago. Um this was before uh, she was Laura Jane Grace. Um, she came out, when did she come out? In 2012 as being transgender. And before that, it's such a weird, it, it, it's weird for me to kind of be reading the story just to get all the dates right. And like reading stuff that I was living at the time as well. It's really, yeah. really fucking interesting because um, like, she was putting lyrics into songs that were hints at how she felt. 
before she she yeah. she became trans, like before, before she before um like the, the name changed, the, the everything you know, and like the the hints were there for all to see, and like it, it, there was even one case that was a song where she wrote like I wish I was born a girl, um and my mother named me Jane, uh, like 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 literally that's pretty, that's pretty solid to, yeah. Like, and like yeah, that, she that, said, she she said herself like that was her coming out, but nobody yeah. nobody copped it. Nobody, nobody even in the band said like, "What are these lyrics about?" They just like, lad, lads screaming that back, nothing. Oh, like like now what was the line? <laughs> like <sighs> fucking against me are a weird band. They're a punk band, but they're not punk in the traditional sense. They're uh, they have massive elements of kind of folk, kind of Bob Dylanish kind of uh, feel to them. It's a lot of uh, acoustic guitars and like Rick and backers, you know, jangly. Kind of crunch, <laughs> cr- crunchy guitars, um, <laughs> but they, they started off. Uh, the first album was called "Reinventing Axl Rose." Was the name of the first album. Second album is called "As the Eternal Cowboy." Now I started listening to them exactly when "As the Eternal Cowboy" came out, right. and when I realised they had an album before that, I ran out and got that. Now fucking those two albums in particular. I, I, I own multiple copies of those. Really? A multiple. Like I think I saw you. Do you have a yellow copy for yeah, something? Probably. Probably. I think like, I saw you. Do you open yeah. up? Or, yeah, I think I saw um, you. Like multiple copies of those albums on different fucking pressings, different labels. Uh, they were signed to Fat Records, which is uh, Fat Mike's fucking, uh, from No Effects, his record label. He right. recently came out as a cross-dresser, actually, as well. Fat Mike did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, nice. Been cross dressing his entire life, and now he's like, "Listen, I'm fucking old. I don't have a bollocks. I'm just gonna wear." Yeah. I look, uh, he was, uh, he was like, "I don't, I don't wear makeup because it's a pound of bollocks." But uh, I, I much prefer to be wearing high heels and dresses. So he performs and all in them now. So um, nice. uh, against me, like Jesus, like I'd never heard anything like this band. Never ever. Uh, still to this day, I still haven't heard bands that 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 sound like this fucking like this group there, there were bands that were doing it but not as big there were kind of folky punk bands like Ghost Mice and stuff like that that were doing the rounds and they were like when they say kind of folk punk what they meant was it was just a lot of crusty bastards with guitars that would play in every toilet for you know a point, yeah. of, a point of Ulmer's and a packet of fucking dry roasted nuts like uh, fucking Against Me were the first band that actually had like real instruments Big songs like fucking the songwriting is just fucking ten out of ten. I can't describe how how good the against me songwriting is. The, I need the, to listen to more against me. Yeah, you have to. Like they got so big, they got picked up by Warner Brothers. Um, Jesus, Jesus, so, yeah, Warner, Jesus Christ, Gar. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Warner Brothers picked them up, and they done a couple of albums with Warner Brothers. Uh, they done an album called New Wave. I think it was their fourth album. Yeah, fourth album. I think it's called New Wave. Now it gets shot on a bit. Um, I think it's one of their best, personally. Um, I think it's one of their best because there was so much money pumped into that studio and the production that they were able to do what they wanted. Um, right. This song that I picked is called uh, "Trash Unreal." This song is off that album, and um, this would have been probably their biggest hit realistically. Uh, it's so fuck. It's amazing. The song. It's so fucking good. It's disgraceful. It's their biggest song. Uh, I think they have better songs, but this is a perfect introduction to the, the whole concept of it. It's not growly, it's not shouty, it's singy, yeah. but it's a bit raw. It's definitely kind of got this poppy kind of vein that runs through it. It could definitely be like someone like, I don't know, fucking Foo Fighters or Queens of the Stone Age. It could definitely in that kind of alt-rock bracket. 
you know once they kind of signed the Warner like the punk got torn down a bit and the alt rock uh, got torn yeah. up or got, got a bit more kind of smashing pumpkins or something like that you know uh, but he um, listen it, this is such a fucking weird thing that the band the band didn't know that Laura was trans he never opened his mouth and she except lived when he, except when she sang it in the song yeah, exactly. So she <laughs> lives... You know what, though? Ba- do, do, do bands ever talk to you about your lyrics when you're writing? They don't give a fucking shit. No, nobody gives apologies. It's done. <laughs> record it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, no one man. gives a bollocks, really and truly. Like, I'm yeah. sure there's some bands that do. But, um, yeah, she, she was living that fucking kind of cocaine and gargle lifestyle for a long time as well. Yeah. And what she was doing, she'd take a break in between tours and just like book into like a couple of random motels around like Florida and yeah. like just live as a woman for like eight yeah. years, you know, and then go back. And then apparently when... It must be fucking hard to go back to not when you're... Just, now, when you apparently, had like, of relief of being oh, yourself yeah. and then go, oh, fuck, right, here we go. Apparently when that Warner Brothers deal was signed, um, she just said to herself, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be a woman. I just, I'm a, I'm a fucking man and I'm just going to live as a man and I've, I'm married and I have a child. And I'm just, right. I'm not fucking around anymore. Like, I'm, forget it. I was just going to do it. And kind of just lived that fucking punk rock lifestyle. Um, off just the back of Warner Brothers. Just t- turn away from it and yeah, not just follow fucking, it. Yeah. Exactly. Just, I'm in the band. I'm a bloke. People fucking like me. I'm a handsome man. I'm married. She, pro- I'm children, she probably you know? thought like, this is going to fuck my band up. Yeah, 100%. Not um, just for me, but for... Oh, yeah, for, for, the, for, for, for the rest of the people in the band as yeah, well. That's, that's fucking and, uh, But apparently, we, done a tour, came back, and said, oh, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. Um, ended up getting yeah. divorced, then got married again. Um, got married, had another kid, I think. Had another kid, and uh, I think they're getting divorced now as well, just because it's obviously a complicated life to, to have somebody involved in. Um, when you're trying tour. to figure out what's going on touring and then that, but touring alone I'm sure yeah, is like it's just, violently fucking hard yeah. um, now she was raised in a military family and so there's an awful lot of kind of pillar to post stuff there as well mm. so she lived like everywhere from Ohio to Germany to fucking um, uh, Texas Pennsylvania to fucking Italy like all over all over Europe ended up moving it's just real weird uh, military based kid yeah oh yeah that, that, that does people can do some people a lot of damage do that. Uh, it was actually interesting when her mother and father got divorced they were in uh, Naples Italy and Laura went with the mother and brothers back to the states and they ended up moving to Naples Florida um, lived in the, from, so from Naples Italy to Naples Florida and that's, uh, that's kind of where the band the band are where based out of the game I wonder if they picked that like they picked that on purpose because like, they had a choice I, between two places like well we've already yeah I have no that's, idea I think Florida are you still living in Naples kind of yeah. Florida is a weird state I think people just kind of jump around an awful lot but it's obviously mad Florida. weird because of fucking Florida because it's Florida because of Florida um, uh, da, 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 I'm trying to read me on writing here but yeah uh, so yeah, the, 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 where, where uh, she came out to, in the song in two thousand and seven, nobody fucking noticed. Uh, now, now it's 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 an interesting dichotomy of fucking values that's happening because she's still in against me. They're still writing yeah. kind of punky, folky, aggressive music, but she's also releasing solo albums. And right. she wrote like a themed album for for. Um, 
for against me called what's called transgender dysphoria, dysphoria. blues. Blues, yeah. yeah. Mentioned that before. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's gonna be straight with you. I don't think it's a good album. I don't think it's yeah. good. Um, the stuff before it, Roy Crosses with the album before Roy Crosses is interesting. Um, I think Roy Cross was the first album when she was ill. Uh, it's decent. It's a little bit Dylan-y for me. It doesn't have the aggression that I kind of wanted. Right. But um, yeah, now she's uh, she's kind of doing bits of surgery. I've had a kind of, what do they call it? Feminine reconstruction surgery on her right. face there recently. Um, That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I've gone, gone the whole fucking hog on it. But uh, against me, are still such a big band. And I don't think because they're in that kind of punky fucking kind of anarchist type of world, I don't think they lost any fans because of that fucking change. I think like they would have lost fans naturally as any punk band would have gone. Like well, as the band evolved. Yeah. yeah like so let's, let's say there's been no change at all. They're still going to be, unfortunately gaining fans by the day, but a band like this are losing any rock band from the 2000s oh, are now yeah. losing fans. Yeah. But if they can call the loyal fan base true, definitely have a, have a massive loyal fan base and still like as big as they ever were. That's good. Um, yeah. Like I think they yeah, like, left, left like Warner. Big. Look at this. Look they like, were huge. Millions of listening. Huge even on Even on the, that transgender dysphoria blues album, millions yeah. of listeners. Oh yeah, that. like that band are Massive. fucking monstrous. Like they played like the Tonight Show, fucking um, <clears throat> fucking Saturday Night Live. Like, you name it, every television show. Yeah, across the board. I seen them. I seen them. Fuck three times. <clears throat> the first time I seen them was in the first time they ever played Ireland, which would have been off the back of the second album, as the Eternal Cowboy. They played the Project Art Center on the keys, right. which be down near O'Reilly's where you were. And at that stage, it was almost abandoned. There was nothing there. It was it looked like a car park, just a concrete room with nothing. And the band just ran extension cables from the walls into the middle of the floor, plugged everything in, and played. Yeah. And it was just like independently ran, independently operated gig, like five euro on the door, that type of thing. Second gig was on the New Wave tour after they signed the Warner and it was in the Button Factory and it was like sold out in 10 seconds. It was just, forget it, sold out. I had to use every connection I had in the world to fucking get in there to see that game. Yeah. And it was one of the greatest things I've and you ever got connection, seen. And you got some connections by I tell you but you do. They, it was so <laughs> fucking, it was incredible. And to this day, I'm sick and I never bought it on vinyl because that album is worth fucking hundreds of euro. It's impossible to find. It's mm-hmm. like the last time I checked, it was like 600 euro for a copy of that album on vinyl. And I'm sickened. I was at the fucking like the tour for that album, and I didn't oh, buy it. Maybe like, they wouldn't have had it in Ireland, though. I, I did. I remember looking at it. I bought t-shirts. Oh, right, sorry. I, like, I, <laughs> I still make you feel better. Yeah, I still have the fucking new wave t-shirt, and I have a hoodie and everything. I never fucking bought the album. I'm sickened. I'm sickened because I have I have all the other albums except for New Wave. It's just too hard to find. I have the rest of them. I even have like singles they released. Um, when they were like independent and all, like I always loved this fucking band. Always loved this band. They're like in me top, let's say twenty five of all time. And uh, listen, that's it. That's fucking Laura Jane Grayson against me. I think every, everybody needs to give give this song a show. Um, give it a shot. If you like this song, then you can go kind of into the more kind of folky, melodic, singy, songy end of their back catalogue, and you can go into the fucking kind of aggressive, fast, upbeat. Like, none of it is, it's not punk in the traditional sense. It's not fucking, it's not like, ah, there's none of that. 
It's not like that at all. It's all fucking. Yeah. Think of like Bob Dylan and Crass got together and decided to fucking write an album. It's very, it's complicated and it's fucking amazing. They're, they're so fucking good. Um, and hopefully they continue to be so good because the yeah. world, the world needs a band like against me. Um, in it, it really does. Uh, who was your last one? My last one is George Michael. I had to speak George Michael. Yeah, I'm a massive fan. Yeah, and I don't to. think we've I've ever picked George Michael on a podcast before. Have I? I think you have. Oh, I probably have, have I? Oh, have I? I don't know. Can you check out, I don't know, can you can't search individual playlists. I'm not doing that now. I should have done that before, but I didn't. Anyway, I picked Praying for Time because it's one of the best songs ever written. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. <laughs> Praying for Time is an absolute grade A plus 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 with a little star beside it. Uh, his real name is Georgios Kyriakos Panayutu. There you go. Did you know that? I knew we had a weird fucking Tealonkius yeah. fucking name, but I didn't yes. know that was it, yeah. That his parents are Greek, or maybe it's just his dad. Mm. Um, I picked him because, uh, A, he's possibly one of the biggest selling gay artists of all time. Mm. Uh, B, I'm fucking mad about his music, like solo. Yeah. And see, it's his birthday today. Oh, very good. Happy birthday, well, you know, it would be birthday. birthday. But I've been only in, picking in the afterlife. Life. I've been I've been only picking artists who died. Yeah, I mean, your, your list is super list. fucking grim. I only lowest that after the list is like fuck, man, shit. Here's me, Johnny Positivity, and all. Well, to be fair to Carl Porter, like you lived a very long and healthy that's, life. Well, that in, in, had agony some for, fucking in, yeah, barring physical pain. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, so it's a bad example. I can't Let believe how, how fucking long that lad lived. Like, <laughs> right. Jesus Christ, Spanish flu and all, like, all of it. Like, yeah. Fuck me, man. But again, Many like different a, types of money did he have to use? Mad, mad money. But like, he, had, <laughs> he had mad money. Um, yeah, yeah, look, George Michael has sold 115 million albums in his mm. life. He did in his life. Um, everyone knows him from the early days of Wham! Anyway, yeah. I don't really like Wham. No, like no one liked that, Wham. I think Last Christmas is a banger, but then Wham rap and stuff is like 84 minutes that long. That wake me up and all. Like, that, that grand, but it's shite. Like, like. But it's shite. Like, yeah. that's what, the difference is, like, it's when he became a solo artist mm-hmm. that I went, oh, these are fucking deadly because they're a bit more rock. Like, Fate is the first album. Oh, yeah, said, great. It's more rock. Yeah. And... Um, he looked cool as fuck as well. Like, sorry, but he did, man. Yeah. Looked cool as fuck. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Here's a mad thing, right? He said in 2004, this would have been five, six years after he came out. Uh, he used to sleep with like a lot of women in Wham. Oh yeah, but uh, he never felt any emotional connection with him. He could sleep with a yeah. woman like all the time, yeah. and he did. But uh, he knew that deep down he was gay. Mm. And I always find it funny that once people make like a joke about George Michael being gay. He's probably slept with more women than they Cash ever Cash money. Will. Cash money ever he has. Will. Cash money. 100%. 100%. That's, all, that's everybody who ever gave out about them, even if he combined them, he's probably fucking yeah. slanged yeah. and them and fucking dicked them. Yeah. And like, the only reason I mention it is it's not an amazing thing to mention. I'm just saying in their world, their currency is oh, yeah. sex, sex yeah. with women. Yeah. He's already ahead of you. Yeah. So... Right using, use your, yeah. using your own fucking weird barometer logic, yeah. back against you. He's Rob Mott's, so mm. take it or leave it. Uh, his three albums, his first three albums, man, are fucking my favourites. 
really early. There's a few after that, it gets a bit sketchy, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. It's very, he's had three, two albums in between that, there was, but they're never released. It's really? kind of person that took an album with, no. Now, I know there's a big deal with Sony in there as well. So yeah. in, in 87, he released Faith, which is a, it's a good album, but it's nowhere near as good as Listen Without Prejudice Volume 1, which uh, is the one that starts with Freedom. Mm. He was kind of breaking away from that image that he had. In a, Freedom's a whopper. Kind of Faith. Christ. Faith had fucking Father Figure on it. Father yeah. Figure is one of the best songs ever written. As well. He's mad into his middle eights. That's why I, yeah. I take a lot of inspiration by having a part in the song where it just changes key, yeah. changes mood, tempo even maybe. Mm. Well, not tempo, but you know, like the feel of it. And it comes back in, it just refreshes. It's, yeah. I love his song writing. And a lot of people didn't know he wrote and produced all of his own stuff. Very good. Uh, played a bit of piano as well. Mm. But um, like I said, we, we found out that he was gay. Uh, I was actually surprised. Uh, back, yeah, I it would have been as well. Every, everyone, everyone says, oh no, 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 no. You look back, you're thinking, because he, he would never, he had girlfriends, he had like a high profile girlfriend at one yeah, stage. There, I don't think there was stuff in the press ever about him either. There was just that no. thing that happened. And that was it. Well, that's, that's what happened in 1988. Yeah. He was arrested in America for public lewdness. Yeah. Now, that cop was a scumbag. Yeah. An absolute scumbag who tried to sue him Ooh. for, you know, like distress, for really? seeing a dick in a toilet. Oh, God. Imagine. Oh, God. Um, he even wrote a book about it. I think he tried to make as much money as humanly possible. That's a proper scumbag cop. Yeah. Like, um, anyway, look, we remember that. It was it was massive news. Yeah. And yeah. the idea of him coming, like, bit massive news, you see, they could tie it together with him being arrested for a little oh, behavior. Yeah. Um, so they could tie it into that. But if they were just coming out, that wasn't the story. That wasn't the story at all. Mm. The story was George Michael's gay. Yeah, of course. It was all over everything. Yeah. But, if you remember what he did a couple of years after that, he turned it in his favor. Yeah, he made the video. Released that song outside where he's dressed as the cop. Yeah, And the, yeah. the, the, the urinals turn around and they're all disco ball yeah, urinals. Yeah. And it's a real like, fuck this, man. If I'm out, I'm out and mm. fuck you. Um, I'm a massive fan of him, like even as a person. He's a hugely good dude who gave like... He, ga- he gave writing credits on Careless Whisper to Andrew Ridgely, even though he didn't write any of it. Because really? he, it was as a kind of parting gift for leaving Wham. It's like you're gonna get like you'll get he'll get money from that. From we get money for last Christmas or the rest of his life under really yeah. for Careless Whisper as well. I thought it was a nice little touch. And they became they would stay friends for, for a very long time as well. Cool. He gave massive amounts of money anonymously to charity. Mm. And it only came out after he died. People yeah. went, you know, he's dead, he's dead and he never wanted me to tell anyone, but he just sees now, he gave like this amount of money to this charity and stuff like that. Dead. Um, and there was like a waitress in, I think it was America, he paid. He saw how hard she was working. Mm. He, left, he left her a massive check for her tuition and stuff like that. Oh, he cool. was just a fucking good dude. Yeah. Um, I just love interviews. And if you ever watch interviews, there's an amazing, amazing episode of this fuck what god god i have to find the name of it it's a show where george michael morrissey and tony blackburn are all mm. interviewed about current music that has just come out right mm. and uh it's crazy it's crazy because like they'll say stuff like so you're sitting beside uh, george michael here you wouldn't be too into his music would you morrissey's like oh it's not really for me you know yeah. you look kind of looking down on them you know like because he was wham but the way George Michael handles the whole thing is fucking amazing. Yeah. They, they, they talk about uh, the album that had come out at the time, which was uh, 
Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures. Mm. And George Michael is fucking mad into it. Yeah. He's like, this is beautiful. I might, actually, it might have been closer. It might not have been Unknown Pleasures. Yeah. And he's crazy into it. And at the time, I think, you see Morris looking over going, am I being out-cooled here? Do you know what I mean? Marcy's a horrible cunt in interviews, man. Like, oh, yeah. years ago, like, he's tr- he had this, like, smile on his face, like, where I'm brewing this. But to watch interviews with George Michael, I swear to God, listen to this lad talk for hours. Yeah, yeah. Hours. And uh, like I said, I could, his his greatest hits is phenomenal. It's one of the best greatest hits of all time, that um, Ladies and Gentlemen, mm. the double disc. I remember when that came out, it was uh, working on Golden Discs, and it was stacked. The stock room was just Ladies and Gentlemen by really? George Michael. Yeah. Oh. So it didn't do coming out didn't do any uh, harm at all. No, I don't think so. Or I'm sure it comes with its own problems and he uh his a lot of his private life was then in the public eye. Yeah, yeah. A lot more reporters then because they could find more on him under the under the guise of him being arrested, which wasn't yeah. like I said, the uh But look would have, I, would have put the spotlight on him as well for people to fucking to yeah. like uh, kind of follow him more and yeah, fucking dig up anything. Yeah, you know, look, he's. Brainless. I think he's. I think he. Okay, he sold 115 million albums, but to me and people I know, rockers, let's say, he's yeah. massively underrated, massively oh, yeah. underrated, yeah. and not really considered to be good. I remember even when he died, a few people posting. George Michael wasn't even that good. Like, yeah, on his, on the day he died, Christmas Day. Yeah, he died 2016. Uh, I was like, fuck! I had to school a lot of people on how good he was. Yeah, I remember. Them. I remember. Fucking hell! I, so remember. I remember. I know. Yeah, I might, but uh, but uh, fuck it, look, that was our music of the rainbow. It was. I don't know how well we handled that, but look, that's it. Now take it or leave it. <laughs> it's done now. It's done. We'll be back next year for another one. Um, uh, for all of our fucking holidays and parade episodes. So uh, wherever you are, enjoy parade uh, however yep. you can, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Um, the usual shit, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Lost Air Podcast. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Lost Air Podcast if you want to throw us uh, $5. Um, there's no option for euro. Just $5. Dollars. Yeah, $5 a month. Uh, you, you're not alone. There's a couple of people on there. We have exclusive content. Um, all of our links is on lostairpodcast.com. <coughs> Do us a favor. Uh, if you don't want to pay any money, that's grand. Just share it out. I say the same thing every week. Just share it out on Facebook. Comment on the Facebook page. Comment on the Instagram, the Twitter, whatever. Just do something. Do something for do us. Do it. Do something. Don't do nothing. No listening. Oh, that was deadly. Yeah. I did not even tell one person about it. Yeah. Don't That's ever what... do nothing. That's no use. I'm not going to lie to you. That's mad harsh. It is. Fuck. It is. It's rough. Because there's thousands of people on the Facebook page. And I see the streams. There's thousands of people listening to this podcast. And you might get like a comment every fucking three days. And it's, it's not cool. Get involved. There's a little community. There's a million in yeah. jokes that people are talking about. One oh, you actually love those in jokes, but get involved and in make your own ones as well. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, uh, that's it for this week. We will be back on Saturday with our normal live show, which is running until fucking things kind of get back to normal. Um, yeah, this bullshit is over till me and Helmet are back in work properly. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next Monday for another podcast, and we'll see you on Saturday night for drinking loads of gargle. Yes, and uh, talking more. Shui. Uh, see you then. See ya.